Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. This week, as is true for this whole season that we are in, can probably be summarized by the word gift. And especially this particular week in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we have the gift of the great saint of gifts himself, St. Nicholas, who will come to our parish and will come to visit our children and children all over the world, according to our very venerable tradition of St. Nicholas. But St. Nicholas brought to myself personally and to my parish of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic a very special gift. And because it was a gift to us, it is also now a gift to all of you. We're listening to this program of Light of the East. That gift was a priest friend of mine, Father Peter Galadza, who is a Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic priest, and he is a professor and is a very esteemed scholar at the Sheptitsky Institute in St. Paul University in Ottawa, Canada, which is between Toronto and Montreal. That's the Sheptitsky Institute for Studies in the Byzantine Spirituality at the St. Paul University in Ottawa, Canada. Father Pete and I had just been in Rome together, actually, days before, kind of ironic or providential, and we both ended up back in the Chicago area. Of course, I at my parish, and Father Peter was at another conference in the Chicago area, so he stopped by my parish on Sunday to celebrate liturgy with me and my community. But we were both in Rome at a conference. We were both speaking. We were among the number of speakers speaking about the subject of married priesthood in North America. But following that conference in Rome, we came home, and Father Peter ended up in Chicago at another conference, and then came to my parish on Sunday to celebrate liturgy with me, as I mentioned. And Father Peter was very moved to share with all of you and with me some of his thoughts about my particular parish which, of course, comes as a great gift to my parish and also to me personally, and therefore as a gift to all of you. Because his thoughts, his reaction about his experience, his observation about my parish of Annunciation, Byzantine Catholic in Homer Glen, Illinois, are also expressions and thoughts about the Eastern churches, the Eastern spirituality, and the call, the destiny, the plight of Eastern Christianity today. Well, it's a real joy uh, to be here. We just finished the Divine Liturgy here at uh, what I consider to be, without doubt, uh, one of the most amazing Byzantine Catholic parishes in the world. You know, I do a lot of traveling uh, from Hong Kong to Moscow to to Edmonton, and um, to be able to come to a Byzantine Catholic parish like this on a Sunday morning to be 
fed by the Lord's body and blood in a community that is led by a true pastor who is committed to the new evangelization and committed to the fullness of the Catholic Church's teaching. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I can't think of, uh, of, a, of a more wonderful experience. That's very humbling. I, I thank you for that. Especially since, as we all know, uh, the Eastern Catholic Churches in in many places have come on hard times. Uh, I mean, in general, we live in a in a very secularizing uh, age and, and and time. And I think the reason that it's uh, so important for us to understand the, um, the the wonderful work that's being done by Father Tom Loya and his community is is because some of our communities sometimes uh, don't understand the vision that the Second Vatican Council proclaimed for the Eastern Catholic churches. Sometimes the Eastern Catholic churches are perceived as these kind of, you know, I don't know how you'd describe them, kind of ethno-religious institutions that are supposed to be kind of inward-looking, you know, just take care, taking care of, you know, kind of the immediate concerns of of um, of their own communities, and yet the Eastern Catholic churches, you know, this is whether it's Byzantine Catholic, Ukrainian Catholic, Melkite Greek Catholic, all of uh, the churches, Maronites, etc., all of us are called to do what the Church of Jesus Christ is called to do, which is to proclaim the gospel to everyone and anyone to bring the good news of the transforming power of Christ's dying and rising to the entire world, and in the case, of course, of the Eastern Catholic Churches, to do it in a way that's consistent with their unique tradition. We don't realize that uh, the world is really longing for so many of the things that the Eastern Catholic churches have to offer. And by the way, even when the world isn't longing for that, we need to, to be doing these things anyway. But there's, there's, a, there's a, a real longing for depth, you know, especially among certain young people. Um, they, they don't want the superficial. And those who do, well, they'll, they'll, they'll get you know, what they're looking for. But you know, a lot of people today say, uh, I, I want the Christian community, I want the homily, I want the liturgy to go deep, to penetrate you know, my very sinews, to penetrate the inner recesses of my mind. And of course, the, the Eastern Christian tradition is, is one that stresses this, this depth as not something for some kind of unique elite, but something that is intended for everyone. I mean, every uh, hymn that we sing, you know, the canonical hymns of the church are, are shot through with profound theology. That's very true. Uh, then there's the ascetical uh, dimension of, of the uh, Eastern Catholic uh, Church's life. And, and I'm really gratified to see how Father Tom Loya promotes that also, because we, without solid asceticism, I mean, we might as well give up. In other words, without a, a strong commitment to, uh, to fasting, um, to the kind of renunciation that should be going on on a regular basis, without that, uh, we very easily become kind of, you know, one more club. Uh, you know, in, an, in a secularizing age, it's precisely the asceticism that sets us apart. 
Uh, also at this parish, what, what's amazing is the fullness of the liturgical life. I don't think we have more than maybe eight, nine uh, Eastern Christian, uh, Eastern Catholic parishes throughout North America that have uh, matins on Sunday morning. Uh, it's really a, 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 a forgotten service in, uh, by and large. The irony is that uh, the Vatican consistently reminds Eastern Catholics that they're supposed to be restoring these kinds of services. And, and it's not some kind of formalism. It's not because of some desire to you know, perpetuate archaic uh, worship. It's because the, the liturgy of the hours is where you get the full diet of Scripture. If we are to know the Word of God, we're going to learn it communally in the context of worship. I mean, Vespers and Matins, and, and by the way, this parish also has Vespers on Saturday night. Um, vespers and Matins, those are the services where you get the psalmody. That's where you get the Old Testament readings. Um, and the, the other thing to, to keep in mind is that Vespers and Matins allows people to pray about things that don't come up specifically in the divine liturgy. The, the church never imagined that there would ever come a, a, a day when the worship life of the church would be limited to the divine liturgy, the Eucharist. That's just, that's just unimaginable. I mean, it would have been unimaginable in the past when, when our people uh, came from, from Transcarpathia, from Eastern uh, Slovakia, from Western Ukraine. Uh, they were so committed to the liturgy of the hours, vespers and matins, that even when they didn't have a priest, they would gather and, and sing these services. When somebody died, they would read the Psalter throughout the night. And today, when we talk about empowering the laity, uh, it's so ironic that, that in, in one sense, Our Lady was much more empowered a hundred years ago than today, because at that time, they understood that they were allowed, they were encouraged, in fact, to gather and pray the Liturgy of the Hours, even in the absence of, of a priest. And, you know, what that really does is enables you to experience the presence of the Lord in a very multifaceted sort of way. And, and by the way, there's, there's a, a basic principle. I mean, everyone's heard this, you know, use it or lose it. Uh, if, if you don't do these services, then don't be surprised that on Good Friday, when you come into the church to sing the Vespers of Good Friday, people don't know what to do. Uh, but if, if Vespers is being sung every Saturday night, then when you get to Good Friday, you can be sure that everybody will know what you're supposed to be singing um, at that Vespers. But of course, all of this works in a, in a parish like Father Tom Loy's parish because this is all grounded in profound catechesis. I was so gratified to, to see this you know, super abundance of, of, of young children uh, all up near, near the front of, uh, of the church. Uh, there's a special program for, for each uh, class here for, for each grade level. Um, so it's, it's a matter of making sure that the richness that is experienced in corporate worship is actually reflected upon. So it's not just, you know, a, a kind of empty ritual, as it were, or, or formalism. Uh, the children here are encouraged to, to understand, you know, what these liturgical texts are all about and why it's important for them to, to be singing them. We will hear more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish and also Eastern Christianity with our special guest, Father Peter Galadza, when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. 
Glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Deacon Michael Lee, and I would like to personally invite you to come and receive life. I am Father Thomas Loya, inviting you to discover life, unwrap, and explore John's gospel as a profound preparation for the nativity of Christ. Jesus, the good shepherd in the gospel of St. John, says that he came to bring us life and that we might have that life abundantly. And while we're unwrapping John's gospel, we'll examine the themes of incarnation, personhood, the most holy trinity, faith, the holy mystery, and our call to holiness to name a few. Find out for yourself. Join us Tuesday evenings beginning at 6.30 p.m. Eastern during the Phillips Fast, November 20th through December 18th at the Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center located at 2420 West 14th Street in Cleveland's historic Tremont neighborhood. Can't make it to the center? Watch the live streaming video online and email your questions or comments to be part of the conversation. Visit bizcathculturalcenter.org for complete details. You're listening to Father Thomas on Light of the East. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Do you know what the Christmas spirit is? Some say the Christmas spirit is a feeling, a feeling of love, joy, and peace that comes this time each year. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad answer. It's just incomplete. The Christmas spirit is the living presence of the third member, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, actively animating and perfecting the lives of Christians. In fact, the love, joy, and peace that we associate with the Christmas spirit are what St. Paul calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many wish the Christmas spirit could be with us all year round. Well, I've got news for you. It can. Why do you think I'm so jolly? So even long after the Christmas decorations are stored away, our hearts can be filled 365 days with the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds if we are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the true Christmas spirit. For Christ is born, glorify Him. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Our special guest today, our gift today during this week of giftedness, in which we, of course, celebrate St. Nicholas in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. Our gift today is Father Peter Galadza, who is a Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic priest and professor at the Sheptitsky Institute in St. Paul University in Ottawa, Canada. And to get to a, a point that I had uh, hinted at earlier, you know, so much of the dynamism of a parish like this depends on what the ultimate purpose of a parish like this is. So, you know, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, if, if the, the purpose of a parish is to simply, quote-unquote, provide for the religious needs of some, uh, in you know, inward-looking community, then, of course, sooner or later, the, the that whole reality is going to dry up. If, however, the purpose of a parish like this is, in fact, to convert the whole world, you know, to, to just be out there, to be welcoming anyone who wants to hear the good news, then obviously the, the nature of the parish is going to be different. It's all about, you know, to, to just, uh, you know, for those of you who have some recollection of the of Aristotelian philosophy, you know, it's it's about the, the end, you know, what's, what's the, the end goal? And uh, depending on where you want to be going, uh, you're going to be behaving in, in an appropriate way. So if the goal is, in fact, to uh, to bring the good news, to, to bring salvation, to proclaim uh, the, the salvation that is found in, in in Jesus Christ to to the the whole world, then the, the the parish is going to be a parish that has what it takes to to be able to do that. I teach at the 
Metropolitan Andrei Sheptitsky Institute of Eastern Christian Studies at St. Paul University in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, Ottawa is uh, Ottawa is actually the capital of Canada, even though nobody knows that. It's uh, it's between uh, Toronto and and Montreal, and uh, the Sheptitsky Institute of Eastern Christian Studies is actually the only uh, institute of its kind in in all of North America because we are a fully accredited university program. We're actually an integral part of the Faculty of Theology at St. Paul University. And we're unique because we're able to offer degrees all the way from the the bachelor's level all the way to the the doctoral level, the PhD level in Eastern Christian Studies. And we've had some really marvelous students in the last several years. And these are students who come from a variety uh, of of, uh, churches. Uh, We sometimes have Roman Catholics who want to get a degree in Eastern Christian studies. We have Orthodox students. We have a full array of uh, of Eastern Catholic uh, students from the the different Eastern uh, Catholic communities. And our goal is in many ways very similar to the goal of Father Tom Loya's Parish. The only thing is that, of course, being an academic institution, we're supposed to be much more, you know, as it were, reflective about this. We're supposed to be analyzing this stuff, you know, pulling apart the, these realities, you know, reflecting upon them in a much more uh, analytical way. Uh, but quite frankly, if um, if I had a student and the student were to ask me, okay, well, what's this ultimately all about? What's your ultimate goal here? I would say, well, go down to see Father Tom Loy's parish or the parish of, of my brother in Brampton, Ontario, or uh, the Melkite parish down in McLean, Virginia, Father Frank Avila's parish, and you'll see why an institute of Eastern Christian studies exists in, in, in Canada. Because what we are supposed to be doing at this Institute of Eastern Christian Studies, is unpacking the reality that is proclaimed by the Second Vatican Council with regards to the fundamental identity of the Eastern Catholic Churches. People sometimes say, well, what makes an Eastern Catholic Church unique? What is it that distinguishes it, for example, from the Roman Rite of the Catholic Church? Well, Vatican II is very clear on this in Lumen Gentium, um, Orientalium Ecclesiarum, and Unitatis et Integratio. Those are that's the uh, dogmatic constitution on the Church, the um, decree on the Eastern Catholic Churches, and the uh, decree on Ecumenism. The Catholic Church teaches that particular churches, meaning the Byzantine Catholic Church, the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, the Melkite Greek Catholic Church, the Maronites, for example. Their identity is grounded not in ethnicity or some kind of you know, cultural traits or whatever. Their identity is grounded in a distinctive theology, a distinctive spirituality, a distinctive liturgy, and a distinctive canon law. And our task then at the Sheptitsky Institute of Eastern Christian Studies is to provide students with knowledge of, of these four areas. And the, the riches in all of them are astounding. I mean, if just, just to give one example, one that's a little bit maybe easier than a you know, kind of highbrow theological um, example. Uh, you know, it's, it's astounding how frequently our people know about the Marian Rosary, which is, you know, very, very uh, a nice tradition. It uh, emerged within the, 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 uh, the Latin West. What is 
really ironic is that many of our own Eastern Catholic people don't know about another tradition of personal, private, devotional prayer, which is well, devotion, if you want to call it devotional prayer, I mean, it's much profounder than that. It's called the Jesus Prayer, where we repeat, not you know, 50 times, not 100 times, but infinitely, you know, with every breath, we repeat, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's called the prayer of the heart because the point of the prayer is for it to descend from the lips and the mind into the heart so that even at the subconscious level, I am journeying with the Lord Jesus Christ. The name, the salvific name of Jesus Christ becomes a part of even my subconsciousness. And there are stories about people who are actually uh, asleep and they have, as it were, lucid dreams where they are dreaming the Jesus prayer. You don't get any better than that. You know, in, in the modern period when, when there's been this rediscovery of the subconscious, I mean, every, everybody always talks about Freud. Well, the fathers of the church, the Desert Fathers, knew about the subconscious uh, long before Freud came along. But, uh, you know, it kind of took Freud, you know, in his own very bizarre way and in very unfortunate way in, in, in so many respects to, to remind us of something that we should have been recalling all the time. And that is that so much of what is going on in our lives is related to the subconscious and the preconscious. And can you imagine if all of us were to have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ inscribed in that subconscious? And that happens when we devote ourselves to this ascetical practice of repeating the so-called Jesus prayer, which is not only uh, in that longer form that I just quoted, it, it can also be as simple as just Jesus or Jesus have mercy. And when that descends into the depths of your hearts, there's a consolation, there's, there's a, a power, a dynamism uh, that um, no, no diabolical power can, can withstand. So, you know, we can do the same thing. I could give you examples of distinctive aspects of theology. This, well, the, the liturgy, we all know about the distinctive aspects of, of, of uh, Eastern Christian liturgy. And then there's, you know, the canon law, the fact that uh, we have married priests, not just as a, as a transitional aspect of our tradition, but something that is in fact part of the integral uh, tradition of, of the Eastern Catholic churches. Uh, so that's an example of, of the distinctive uh, canonical practice. All of these things are the kinds of, of dimensions of, of church life uh, that, that, that uh, we study at the Metropolitan Andrei Sheptitsky Institute of Eastern Christian Studies in, in Ottawa, Canada. And um, I invite all of you to, uh, to pay us a visit. Some of you will hopefully be able to actually become students in Ottawa. And of course, uh, we're just like any other ins uh, academic institution in the world. We now, of course, offer online courses. For those uh, looking for the Sheptitsky Institute on the internet, uh, Sheptitsky is spelled S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y. And the important thing is to make sure that when you're looking for the website, you you find the one that's in Ottawa because there's another Sheptitsky Institute that's kind of a dormitory on campus in Saskatchewan. It's a great place, but they don't offer any courses. So you want to uh, find the Metropolitan Andre, and the Andre is spelled A-N-D-R-E-Y, A-N-D-R-E-Y, Metropolitan Andre 
Szeptycki Institute of Eastern Christian Studies, St. Paul University, Ottawa, Canada. Uh, with each passing year, we have more and more of those. I'm a, a hold out. I'm a dinosaur. I'm resisting because I, uh, I really do not like technology, unfortunately, but I'm just going to have to undergo a conversion and be able to offer some of my liturgy courses online also. But in the meantime, I ask um, all the listeners who are tuning in right now to, to pray uh, both for Father Tom's ministry, which is an outstanding ministry, and for the work of the Szeptycki Institute of Eastern Christian Studies. I have a friend, uh, Bishop Boris Gudziak, who says, just one Lord have mercy a day, one sincere Lord have mercy a day would be really, really appreciated. God bless all of you. On behalf of my parish of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic in Homer Glen, Illinois, and also on behalf of myself personally, it is with great humility that we say thank you to Father Peter for being in our program and being such a gift to all of us and to you. I'm Father Thomas Loya, a light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>